You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode three, Josh Verko. Lessons Melbourne. Um, this week for our player profile video, I've got Mr. Josh Verko. Hey, doing, man? good. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. Good to see you again. Um, so maybe we can just start off with um, tell us a little bit about how you came to play bass. Mm, interesting story, interesting story. <laughs> long story. Is it? I actually, um, nah, nah. <laughs> I actually uh, started uh, in the, you know, as a young tacker in, in the primary school days. Um, the form came out through school of, you know, do you want to learn an instrument? Um, and I grew up in uh, mid-north South Australia, so in the, in the country areas. I'm a country kid. What, mid-north South Australia? Yeah, yeah mid-north, so we're called, yeah. <laughs> mid-north South. Yeah, you kind of got north and then you got south and then you got mid-north, so, yeah. Not too far north. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the south. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was, um, yeah, a country kid either way in a country school and, um, you yeah, know, and... Uh, and it was, it was mum who suggested, oh, would you like to play an instrument? So I kind of, yeah, went, oh, I'll give it a go. And we had a limited selection. It was all woodwind and brass then. Mm. Um, and I sort of had my mindset on one instrument. But then when um, the, uh, the the teachers came around to the schools and spoke to us, um, they said, oh, we were really short on trombone players. So, yeah, I thought, oh, well, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that likes to help out, you know, so... <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do the trombone, and and it's it's one of those things. So, so I, I did that for a few years, and it was leading up into high school. The the um the the seed got planted in my mind about learning a second instrument. So um, uh, it was the teacher there, my trombone teacher, that suggested bass guitar. Yeah. Because they're in the they're all written in the same register. Yeah. Um, all that sort of thing. So I was already reading the music. Background instruments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of play that similar similar role to it. Lots of, lots of minimums. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> all the fun stuff that we yeah. like. Um, yeah, so, and I was, at that time, I happened to be, um, I was still in primary school, happened to be going to the high school. I'm playing in the concert, in the concert bands there and they had the bass guitar there with yeah. the rhythm section all that. So I was able to, Kind of when no one was looking, you know, pick up the bass and have a go, and you know, I was, I was, um, I was doing um, uh, things just like you know, hearing that, and I was going, oh, that's amazing, you know, a bit of Homer yeah, Simpson right. sort of thing. That's amazing. <laughs> I played a lick. <laughs> so um, wrong amp. Uh, wrong. Amp. No. Need to turn it on. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, oh, there I am. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I was doing things like that, and you know, from, from that, I got hooked and yeah, went into primary school, went uh, high school, sorry, and went, Yeah, I'm gonna play bass. Yeah, so, um, I did that for the first year of high school, I really loved it. Um, end of that year, I saved up all my Christmas and birthday money and all that sort of stuff, and and, and went down the road and bought my, my first bass and amp package, and, yeah, and cool. yeah, just went straight home, got out all my trombone charts, and just 
um, had my little chart of where the notes were on the yeah, yeah. on the fretboard and all that that sort of thing. And I went, well, I know that's I know that's F of where it's written. I know that's C of where it's written. All that sort of stuff. Um, so I was able to just grab all those charts and start learning to read it. Okay. And then you know, sure enough, um, I I went from the tr- uh, from the trombone and just. Um, naturally transferred onto the bass playing bass and so how old were you when you started bands. playing bass? Um, pretty much fourteen is is yeah. you know just ten fourteen you know when I scooped all that sort of Christmas and birthday yeah, yeah. money together to do all that sort of thing um, yeah so um, yeah just kind of it, it naturally you know sort of started going towards that rather than trombone I still kept up the both. But it was it was a quite a fortunate time, I think, being in a small country school. There are only about one hundred and sixty kids. Right. In, in that school. High school. Yeah, in high school. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you think <laughs> you know you know the music opportunities would be quite limited there, but it was actually um, at that particular time we had a new music teacher that came into school. Um, he was a blues guitarist, so he was big on jamming the blues. Mm. So that was such a good grounding um, mm. to. Just to be, I remember as kids we'd be going into the um, into the hall. You know, there'd be permanently the amp and the drums all set up there, and we'd just be jamming out blues songs. That's awesome. um, yeah, we'd learn a progression and we'd just flog the hell out of that progression for the next six months or something like that. Cool. Um, you know, that's what we did at lunchtime. Um, you know, we went and did that, and, and we even tried to extend it through the um, first lessons after lunch and all that until the teachers came and found us and kicked us out. So, so you, had, being class, you, you had like a little a school band that you were jamming with? Yeah, well, I had a few. Uh, my brother was a drummer. Um, right. So, and, you know, he's, he's, he really loved the heavy metal music. So I had a, there was a group of us that did that with a couple of guitarists and singers and um, we did that kind of thing. Yeah, we wrote our own songs and... Yeah. Um, we had, a, had our own heavy metal band, so you yeah. know I was playing Metallica and Rage Against the Machine and Iron Maiden and all yeah. that sort of stuff. You know, um, back in back then. Plus, I was doing the school band stuff. I was still doing the trombone stuff with brass quartets oh, okay. yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, and were you doing like concert band stuff on bass? Yeah, concert bands on bass. Um, so I've still kept up the reading. Also, had there was a, more of a contemporary group. Um, of, there was another group of music, musicians and they all came out of the churches so they were kind of um, okay. playing and singing regularly in their churches so every now and then although I didn't attend church um, myself um, I would still help them out and playing on bass because everyone needs a bass player right yeah well that, that <laughs> kind of thing so I mean, um, yeah they had their, their group of singers and guitarists that needed a bass player yeah um, so you know I'd play with them we had our own um, contemporary band where we played you know pop and rock songs um at the local footy club do's and the fairs and all that sort of stuff so we were out gigging yeah earning money wow. in our teens and all that sort of stuff. so so i had a really good um I, I suppose you know when i think about it and being a teacher now um you know and seeing what's you know what's really great for kids mm. a great environment for kids to learn in i had a you know a teacher that loved jamming blues with us i had a contemporary band i had a uh, metal band. I had the the uh, the, the concert band. Um, so I was really active in in being creative. You know, creating my own bass lines from chord progressions. Yeah. Um, real real yeah. world skills that you yeah. need to know. Yeah. 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 Instead yeah. of 
instead of kind of learning one way and then having to learn, okay, well, how do, how, how do I then fit into a band? Yeah, that's like, it. It was kind of one and the same. Yeah, that's it. Like, I've, yeah, cool. from, from teaching, I feel that there's, I've had students in the past where it's, they feel like, you know, um, unless they learn it from their teacher, they can't learn it, you know, so I really try to get them out of that headspace yeah. that, you know, just be creative. You too can learn stuff, you know, put yeah. the recording on. I was kind of a, a little bit lazy if I couldn't learn something on the recording, you know, figure it out with my ear. I'd just kind of make up my own thing yeah. that would work. So I think that had its, you know, sort of benefits and mm. so, at, at the same time. So, yeah. So it was good fun. Yeah, go on. Good fun and what, what, was your, what was your first bass? It was a Samick. Right. Go yeah, the Samick, yeah. I think it was like a $400. Like a B-bass, jazz bass? Uh, it was PJ. It was the PJ, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's $400. Samic, um, PJ and 15 watt yeah, yeah. sort of amp thing that, you know, I flogged the guts out of, you know, <laughs> trying to compete with my drummer, uh, my brother on the drums. Yeah. All cool. that sort of thing. So, so then, yeah. so graduating high school and then on to study? Did you go and study? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was something I, I kicked around for so long, um, you know, through the high school years just kind of going... You know, I don't know what I'm going to do after school, that mm. sort of thing. Um, I tried a few things, you know, work experience at music shops and, and all that sort of stuff. Are you still in country? Yeah. Or were you in Adelaide? Or? Yeah, no, in, in, the, in the country then. Um, yeah. So I did all my schooling um, through that. Um, and it wasn't until really year 12 that I thought, you know, yeah, let's let's have a go of this. I was doing year 12 music with solo performance on the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your what was your repertoire? Can you remember? Uh, there was actually there was a great book that um, like I I didn't have a bass teacher at all. Um, right. I didn't have a specific bass teacher. There was no access to that in the oh, country. Um, or I didn't even have lessons. I, I mean, the, the guitarist. You know, we sort of we jammed, but that's that's that pretty right. much all we did. Sort of anything I did was just learning by doing, being active in bands. Um, just go, you know, put on my own pre-internet. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't have the internet at all. Um, uh, so yeah, I just kind of um, the, there was a great book that a uh, local uh, Adelaide bass player, uh, Sean Duncan. He had a book that he he wrote these solo pieces with backing tracks specifically oh, really? for that contest. It's oh. fan, yeah, fantastic book. And each kind of piece had a different thing. You had more your kind of rock piece. You had your slap funk piece. You had your reggae piece. Yeah, okay. uh, more your Jaco style piece with the harmonics. So I was kind of learning all those um, those kind of techniques through that, um, yeah. So I really just basically used that book as my solo performance um, sort of thing, um, solo performance repertoire. So yeah, um, so that was great, and it wasn't until I sort of yeah had my license. I had you know end of school. I finally had my own uh, my piece played, so I was able yeah. to drive myself. I went to Adelaide, grab one or two lessons with Sean Duncan himself. Um, you know, it was through year 12 that I thought, yeah, let's let's take this further. I mean, the, the seed was planted that I could go to uni mm-hmm. and study music, and I was, I was really digging it. So, you know, I took myself down and, and did the auditions. So I auditioned on both uh, trombone and the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. And as luck would have it, you know, um, you know I got accepted. Um, so this is into Adelaide University um, in their jazz course. Oh, the jazz but it's the thing, yeah. The thing is that they were so much more desperate for trombone players 
that they took me in on trombone. Yeah, I've obviously had a, you know, so many bass players that they could choose from. So you know, they 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 sent me the offer on trombone. I thought, well, you know, it gets me in the door. So I took it. I did a couple of years of that, and I still thought it's um, it's not quite me. I still want to do the bass. Mm-hmm. I was I started through that. Um, I was started getting established. Um, you know, playing in a few bands and playing in the country scene in um, right. South Australia as a bass player. So I was playing bass actively, and and I thought, you know, I want to do this. I want to mm. play bass. I got out of uni on the trombone. Maybe spent um, a year or two um, just playing around town on the bass, and then yeah. went back in and, and started studying again on the bass. So oh, yeah, okay. back to the same. Yeah, through back in Adelaide. Um, so, so like, from like kind of you know year twelve through uni, like what's what music are you into? What are you digging? What players are you like? You hear something, you go, that's anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think uh, I mean I've I've always been had a big thing for for studio players. Like I you know I went through a stage where I was loving you know. Everything Nathan East was doing, okay. was, you know, working back then. Doing. Yeah, even even back yeah, then. Right. So you know, were just like checking out the credits. And yep, yep. I was I was into baseball magazine. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah, I had that. So I was I was reading Bass Player magazine. Um, of course, checking out Jarko and um, yeah, I think yeah, and, and you know Gary Willis and you know, I love those solo guys. What they do, sort of in a in a soloistic context and all that. But I'm also such a big fan of. What bass players bring in a um, in a band setting, you know, yeah, like cool. Nathan East, Hutch Hutchison, yeah. all of that. How they bring their thing to a band setting, what they can do, and yeah. um, you know how they can sit behind the vocalist. As much as I love um, the soloistic context of of bass, um, I'm such a big fan of you know how to make it sit and how to make it work behind a singer. Sure, so, yeah. So, cool. yeah, that's, you know, I, I like to have that full circle thing. So the kind of early yeah. session scene, like, Toto, and um, what about, like, the, did you ever get into the kind of old-school Motown stuff? Or yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, I was just sort of had different mm-hmm. players churning through my brain, I couldn't quite think of them, but um, Willie Weeks and James Jameson, there was sure. a massive stage I went through um, yeah. with, with James Jameson just working out what he was doing and yeah, still you know, how he got his sound and, um, you know, we had a, a, a corporate band, um, we did a few gigs with, with um, Motown stuff, so I got to play all those transcriptions cool. um, in, a, in a band setting, which was, yeah, it was great fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you know, I, I, um, I, I kind of find myself getting, yeah. You know, I'll check out one guy really heavily for you know a certain space of time. Then I'll go get bored with that, and then I'll go on to the next guy, and then I'll yeah. go on to the next guy, and then I might come back again. Were you ever kind of were you ever like the Flea and Les Claypool stuff? Not so much. Not so much yeah. I mean, there's a little, you know, a little point in time, but mm. you know, I was into to Flea, um, but. Not heavily, yeah, not heavily. Yeah. It was, you know, but, it was Motown. But Rage Against the Machine, though, but, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rage Against the Machine, um, and as I said earlier, it was Rage and Metallica. I used to yeah. rush home from school and just stick on the album and play it from, you know, start yeah. to finish each yeah. time and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think, like, you know, talking about those solo guys and stuff, like, like Beck and, you know, maybe even Stanley or whatever, 
like when when you do hear them playing bass in a song context, like with the flight tones or just on a pop record and stuff like that, when you hear them playing bass, like they're awesome at it. Like the mm, pocket is yeah. the pocket is amazing. Like the tones are just they're yeah, great at it. And, yeah. But then you have this other level on top, yeah, and that's yeah. always what kind of gets noticed. But yeah. the first time I heard, not the first time I heard Marcus Miller, but the first time I heard Marcus Miller in that context, like yeah, not right. in the solo thing, it was on. Yeah. It was, I think he was playing for um, Al Jarreau. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. one of those Montreal jazz yeah. records that I bought. I got it like a fair for like fifty yeah. or something like that. So that's, that's another thing. I went through a huge time of listening to Quincy Jones stuff, you know, yeah. Al Jarreau, and which is um, yeah, Louis Johnson and yeah. and all that as well. So yeah, yeah. So, um, no, no, you're right. Um, and that's one thing like that gets me about guys like um, uh, Victor Wooten is, you know, he's got all his, his soloistic bass stuff that he does, you know, and how he treats harmony and that is, is incredible. You know, he's got such a great ear for that. But when he's playing in the bass context, how he lets his melodic um, Content come through in his bass playing, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, that's like what gets me most about him. It's great. Can support the song from that position. Yeah, yeah. Just as well as you know, from yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I love all that. You know, it's, it's the Latin guys. Yeah, I love all styles of music. The Latin guys like Oscar Stagnaro. He's yeah, right. he's amazing himself. You know. Um, yeah, Oscar Stagnaro. Check him out. He's kind of um, you know. I think electric. He, uh, yeah, electric. Okay. I think he teaches at Berkeley. Um, don't don't quote me on it, but um, um, okay. yeah, there's I mean there's heaps of there's, but, but there's Anthony Jackson. Um, yeah, yeah, Anthony Jackson. So those two guys are they're amazing with with the, the Latin chops that they've yeah. got. But as I say, uh, Oscar Stagnaro, he's kind of that guy that um, there's uh, there's a group called the Caribbean Jazz Project, okay. uh, which is you know it's that real. Or if you're from the states, the Caribbean Jazz Project. Or the Caribbean Jazz Project, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's you know stuff with um, Paquito de Rivera and you know all yeah, those yeah. kind of Latin jazz yeah, kings. Sort of thing. Yeah, that that sort of thing. That that American Latin thing, yeah. um, where you know that they're just that they're playing on it's just incredible. You know, yeah. Everything is so crisp, clear, and tight, and oh, together. Yeah. And yeah. So when did the when did the upright thing happen? Um, the upright thing. Well, it's kind of one of those things when you're in uni, you got those. You know, you're listening to jazz and. The thing is, when you're playing electric, you know, um, you know, give you give the uh, the double bass thing a go as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, um, I was I, when I think it was in that time I was taking off um, between trombone and and electric bass at uni that I was working. I saved up the pennies to buy. Right. Um, and uh, so that was from the well. from the jazz because you wanted to do real jazz. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things that you did. You know, you yeah. kind of as a bass player, you did. It was, it was a big instrument. I just wanted to be involved in yeah. everything. I, I, I think I had one for like about two years, yeah. but I brought it out at like Christmas and yeah. when I was drunk, which was Christmas. And <laughs> <laughs> play it, and then the next day, my hand was just like, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, man, I suck on this thing. It was yeah. just, I, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it enough to put in the, the time. Yeah, yeah, and and, for, and where I was in Scotland, you know, Scotland, it didn't really seem like there was yeah. that much work for it. You know, I could I could do jazz gigs on yeah. electric if, if I got a call. So yeah, I think like as I said, it's you know, I just love being a part of everything, giving everything a go. Sure. Um, what it brought in its sound in a bass player context, um, yeah, not just in jazz, but 
um, country folk and all that yeah. other sort yeah, of stuff yeah. as well. Um, it was even in bike. it was even in Motown, of yeah. course. You know, Jameson started out on the double bass. Benny King, the Stanley Mills, that. Yeah, yeah. All all of that kind of thing. Um, and it was through uh, my session work in um, the country scene that um, I started playing bluegrass and touring heavily in bluegrass with the Davidson Brothers, okay. um, who are here from Victoria. Um, so they basically said, we've got a tour in the US coming up. We need a double bass player. Um, so <laughs> and you went, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a friend who was um, uh, Chris Cox, who was, uh, it was, it was also a great bluegrass singer. She, was, um, she recommended me for that because she knew I played double bass as well. Um, you know, I was still quite fresh on the, um, yeah. on the bluegrass side of things. Um, yeah, I got in there, gave it a go, went overseas and, and, and you toured, the States? Toured, toured the States. We did the IBMA Festival, which is, you know, the big um, the big bluegrass festival, the International Bluegrass Music yeah, Association wow. in Tennessee. So was that, like? that was amazing. So, you know, there's all these guys like um, you know, Barry Bales on the on the bass, who's just it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, Mark Schatz, who's just you know, kind of one of the bluegrass bass legends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to hang, see and hang out with them and all that sort of stuff and cool. listen to them on, like Barry Bells on uh, Alison Krauss and Union Station Records, right. you know, I'd listen to him for, for so long. You know, I remember just in, in Nashville at the, um, at the festival, uh, just sitting there having my lunch in the convention centre cafe, you know, and then Barry Bales just comes down and sits on the table next to me and I just looked up and just about spat my lunch out. <laughs> there's yeah, probably, there's probably yeah, years, not you know? that many people that would recognise him yeah, yeah. from here and you know. Well, that's it, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, you know, that, that whole thing of being in Australia where you don't have access to these guys yeah. so regularly, you know. You yeah. don't see them all the time. They just just happened to sit down when I was quietly sitting there eating that's my lunch cool. and sat yeah. down to do his own thing. So, I guess you know, probably a fair bit of banjo happening as well. Say that again. A bit of banjo over there. Oh yeah, god yeah, god yeah. It's like you'd have you playing at these festivals, and you'd have these kids that were like nine or ten years old, just absolutely tearing it up, you yeah. know. Um, you know, and, and family. How old, how old were you? God, when was that? Um, I think it was it was early twenties. I think yeah. when I took it over there. Um, was that like you? You kind of first big. Like have a musician get paid to travel, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd been doing uh, you know sort of weekend trips to, to local festivals yeah. um, and all that sort of stuff. You know, interstate. I was still living in Adelaide by then. Yeah. So I was doing the odd um, the odd you know small weekend tour, but this is you know the first time overseas. Yeah. And, you know to go over to a new it's country. Cool, you know that you can that so many times I find myself on a plane or a new setting going. The reason I'm here is because I play bass. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty cool. Oh, it's it's my, the kids. That's it. <laughs> um, and that's that's it, you know. It, it wasn't a case that I was, you know, um, superly versed in bluegrass bass because it is it is a specific style. Yeah. There is a specific language. As, um, and that's what I find with um, each individual um, style or yeah. genre. There's a specific way or a specific repertoire. Yeah, you know, exactly. standards, there's jazz standards, there's country standards, bluegrass standards. Yeah, and with, with that style of language comes the tone as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit what's always yeah. in the upright is the tone for the bluegrass. Yeah. But doing the Motown thing, like you could play it on this, but it wouldn't sound as good as playing it on, you on know, a P-Base. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, as, as working bass players, you know, we kind of have to be able to 
like chameleon and morph mm, into, yeah. into these things as authentically as we can. That's it. Because yeah. the guy who's the guy who's doing that band, that's that may be all that he does. Mm, yeah. So he's super he's hyper aware of how we should sound and how to feel more yeah. than we are. So, yeah. you know, when we're doing this kind of jack of all trades and we've got a one week we're doing like a Latin gig and the next week mm. we're doing a Motown thing and then yeah. we're doing a pub rock thing. It's just you've, like, got to, you've got to have a concept in your ears. Yeah. And I think that's like I did have a uh, lot of, with the Bluegrass thing, I did a lot of listening to, as I said, Barry Bales. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just his tone. It's just, you know, it's clean, crisp and clear and it is modern um, in the fact that, you know, obviously it's, you've got modern recordings so you can, yeah. you can you know, with that um, digital technology you can get control a lot of that sure. um, but it's still it's just it's just super super accurate in what he does his intonation is just mm-hmm. amazing even though like it, he, he may be playing simple ideas but those simple ideas are things that make you go wow it's so simple that I overlooked that you know, yeah, just right. playing octaves instead of ones and fives you know just you know one particular bar just may just blow your mind and go whoa so I'm yeah, checking out checking out your yeah yeah. Um, so you know what I took away from that is I we did a lot of playing over over there and playing like it. You know, Bill Munro is the grandfather of blues uh, bluegrass music. Yeah. You know, we played the festival um, which is held on his Probably. on his property. You know, his homestead sort of thing. So I was checking out all this history um, wow. there that I wasn't really aware of um, too much at the time. And I just remember coming away from that festival. I used to watch all these these players and just go, all right, now I've got all these things that I want to, you know, work on when I get back home. I just, you know, stock up on all these CDs yeah. and all that sort of stuff, brought them all home and just, you know, mm. came and worked them out, worked out the specific lines and all that that they use, how, yeah. to, how to end a song, how to sort of move between chorus and verse and all that, there are specific things they do. Ooh, um, yeah. Like a country bass line might go, um, you know, you know, your, your typical thing like that, whereas a, a bluegrass thing kind of keeps that time aspect in it where you got the minims. Yeah, so, you know, just, just little things like that, changing the way of thinking. Um, yeah. You can always tell, you know, a country guy playing bluegrass because he's... rather than... A, so you're adding that melodic context as well as keeping that time going off those minutes. So, you know, yeah. just thinking that way, how can how can you, you know, play the bass role and get a bit more melodic but still not lose, you know, the time role that you have to play. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the bluegrass thing was just such a great um, learning and even the country thing is how to, how to be simple, you know, not get in the way, you know, you don't want to be blasting. Jarco chops with Jarco sound, yeah, yeah. you know, all over a country song. Um, how, but how can you how can you be melodic and say what you want to say, um, essentially, yeah. um, without getting in the way? So um, yeah, it's 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 been a great foundation with that. And the other thing is like all the, the heavy metal stuff and the rock stuff I used to do back in school. You know how uh, country's gotten so much more rock and roll these days. Kind of all that background has come. Um, sure. has come, you know, full circle back around. So I've got all those kind of, um, you know, these sounds in my head to be able to, you know, play yeah, with yeah. it. You know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I can, you know, sort of pull that out when I need to. Yeah. 
I think you, you can look at all music and say that's been influenced by something. Like nowadays, like music yeah. is such a, a big mash of all different styles. So, yeah. so you know, sort of learning um, all the Rage Against the Machine and Metallica, all that kind of style of playing has, has you know, sort of um, planted a concept of playing in my head, which is really useful in the in rock and roll stuff these yeah. days, or even the country rock stuff these days. Yeah. Um, I like pussy, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you know it's uh, it, one of the best things for your playing is to be uh, is just to be really versatile. You know, don't mm. don't block out a certain style of music just because initially you um, you know initially initially you don't take to it. Sure. You know, um, give it a go. You know, have a think, uh, have a listen for a while. Listen as much as as you can of um, of different artists within that style, mm. um, even give it a go yourself. And, and no matter how simple it may sound on the surface, um, you know, there's a good chance there's a lot more um, complexities yeah, going yeah. on. in order to make underneath. it sound authentic. Yeah. yeah. But with, with, I find with some, a style that's simpler in, its, um, in what it sounds uh, for face value, um, you know, bluegrass, even some of the sort of more uh, traditional country stuff is... Um, it may not be busy here, but it's busy up here. You know, you're really listening for what the vocals is doing yeah. um, to, to work around that, um, to, to play the song. Um, you yeah. know, what was um, taught to me a long time ago was play the song. And since I was, I was told that, you know, I've, I've kind of been, it's always been a thought, you know, how do you play the song? And it's just one of those things you learn. Um, you, you get more insights um, over time is how to effectively play that song and when yeah. you listen to you know guys like Hutch Hutchinson and um, all that sort of stuff is those guys really know how to play the song and sure. support you know support the singer in the bass yeah. role and especially Nathan East as well you especially know. if you want if you want to work yeah that's that's it if you yeah. if you want to work um, you know really pay attention to to uh, to working well with singers, you know, and to working around singers, you know, rather than stepping on all over their, their feet. And yeah. you've got to kind of put an ego away and s instead of going, well, this is what I've been practising lately, <laughs> this is the sound that I've been, you know, working on lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, put, a, put that away and go, well, this is what's needed for the job, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you do that, you know, there's a good chance you'll get the call back again. Yeah. So what was, what was the transition like when you picked up the outbreak? You know, how did you? Um, how did you shed that? <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of blisters, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you? I'm guessing you took lessons, but did you initially? Did you try like electric technique on upright? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I had a. There was a great. Uh, I think a, a big turning point. Um, for me, back when I was studying in Adelaide, was when I met a guy, um, Peter Dowdall, <laughs> His name was. Hello, cat. <laughs> Django's getting in the action. Yeah. That's not yours to scratch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really cute cat. Django's scratching post. Expensive scratching post, you obviously. That's it. Yeah. Daddy will get you one for Christmas. Be <laughs> good. <laughs> um, so where were we? So um, the double bass. Yeah. Uh, so had the teacher that I had um, back in Adelaide, Peter Dowdle, Dowdle, his name was. He originally came from Adelaide. He. He went to New York back in his early 20s um, and he studied at North Texas State and then he kind of made his way up to New York as a session bass player in the jazz side of things and he did obviously 
you know, styles from A to B, um, you know, from everything. He was also um, busy um, as a uh, recording engineer as well. Okay. So, yeah, he did a lot of um, top-end work, you know, the, the top-end New York studio cats. He was cool. he was engineering those, so he got to hear those wow. um, players play as well. So, um, you know, he just, he came back to Adelaide, I think sometime through his, um, through his 50s sort of thing. Um, he, he moved back with his wife and started teaching at the uni there. And, you know, the first time I heard him, my, my jaw just dropped and went, I hadn't heard anyone play like that before. The you electric. Know, the electric, you know. Right. Um, and the double bass as well. Mm. Um, he was just as, just as good at both. Um, you know, it's like an encyclopedia of songs as well, you yeah. know. Um, he just spent years doing that. And, um, you know, so I, I took up lessons with him, and um, especially when I went back to study on the bass. Um, you know, took up lessons with him and, you know, had, um, you know, the enough pointers that I needed um, technically. Mm. But also I was really... Um, um, I was really uh, trying to be aware of what he did, even physically with technique. Note-wise, I'd go to the gigs and watch. Um, when we'd play next to each other in a lesson situation, I'd just watch and try and mimic that. Mm. Um, things like, um, you know, just how to kind of get a great walking bass sound in his right hand. You know, a lot of the kids were kind of doing the... Whereas he was kind of doing um, this thing of... You know, sort of really getting that a bit of an upright thing on there. Yeah, that that sort of thing, and even you know, just just kind of um, emphasising that two and four. Yeah, that was, that was one of the big things for me was learning because coming from the rock thing and the yeah, thing, yeah, the one, the yeah, one and three, right? But yeah. then the jazz to make it at least start to swing in some respect, it shifts to the two and the four. Yeah, so you know, just just watching him, you know, I really got a sense of you know on the double bass as well. Um, how to work this right hand in that kind of in, yeah. in that sort of setting, um, you know. So he was a, a massive influence, you know. Sort of, um, yeah. you know, can't thank him enough for for, for him giving the the time to me back then um, to to teach me a lot of those things and just even flick some switches in my head, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so when I moved away, I I moved here to Melbourne yeah. um, to. Um, when was that? How long uh, was that? It was in two thousand and ten, I think okay, early two thousand and ten. Yeah, just essentially, I was I was um, uh, touring enough and playing festivals enough over this east coast, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland, enough to warrant that, um, you know, that to enough to warrant moving over essentially. And and a friend of mine, Adam Aldrin, who we we both know, oh, the yeah. Adam Aldrin trio, we both played with. Um, you know, he had just moved over um, to live with his brother just beforehand and he was saying, come on over, come on over. And so, yeah, I came on over and obviously, you know, that's how we met through yeah, yeah. through that. Um, it always helps when somebody gigs. here that you... Yeah, yeah, so that, they had a room available which made the transition so much easier. So, yeah, once cool. again, I thank them a lot for, you know, um, Neil yeah. and Adam for, you know, helping me out with that and being a big help to getting me yeah, started cool. over here. And, um, so then what's been... Um, What's it like being in Melbourne compared to? Oh, it's great. It's, it's you know, it's, it's bass player city. You know, <laughs> it is. So many bass players over here. Yeah. And, you know, I've, got, all... I've got a long list of people yeah. that I want to get, yeah. get on this. And it's just like, yeah, he's awesome. He's yeah, awesome. he does yeah. that. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's all these guys that I was listening to on on um, records. You know, Roger McLaughlin and 
um, Craig Newman and yeah. all that stuff, Everett Peters, um, yeah. you know, all those, um, those heavy guys that, you know, that, you know, I knew were over here. So, um, yeah. I'd, and, you know, when, you, when I was moving, I thought, you know, I had plans to move us, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, you know, I knew Sydney was really expensive. Mm. Um, There's just a door that opened up through, um, Adam and Neil through, mm. uh, to, to come to Melbourne. Um, you know, I knew, I knew a few guys here. Um, shout out to Mitch Cairns as well. Um, he's a great he's just up the road. friend. Yeah, just up the road. Yeah. So he's doing great stuff with, um, with um, his own studio work and his own bass playing. You know, yeah. It's been great to see that grow as well because he said he moved down from, from Sydney way. Right. Or, um, maybe Newcastle, I can't remember which one. Okay. Um, you know, so it's been great to see that grow for him um, and his dedication with that as well. Um, so yeah, it's a couple of guys I knew that it was when I logged in here, I was able to, you know, go out and say good day on gigs and catch yeah, up yeah. and do all that and, you know, sort of <clears throat> get to meet a few guys that way and mm. all that sort of stuff. Um, I took up some study, um, at the VCA too. Um, I didn't quite finish my degree in Adelaide because touring got a bit heavier and, you know, I was just eager to get out and play. Sure, yeah. The whole thing of, you know, all oh, this study stuff, it's, it's not getting out there and doing it you know i want to get out there and do it i want to tour you know i want to do this you know as much as i can and um do it full time so you know there was just stores opening up with that so it it made it sort of easy to to move over um i got some you know established a bit more with the touring and once i was doing that um i had some teaching under my belt as well i was able then to slip back into um the study um, at the VCO and I studied under Everett Peters and Craig Newman okay. and all that, you know, and, you know, wonderful guys to study with, you know, they really gave you a lot of their time and attention, um, yeah. you know, and just I knew with those those guys have done a lot of the, uh, although they're great soloistic players, they're great session musicians behind mm-hmm. singers, they've got a lot of experience with that, so I felt, you know, we could really relate to each other yeah. a lot with that. Um, I think it was my honours year, I, I swapped between Everett Peterson and even David Jones on the drums, who's, you know, he's a wonderful guy again. Mm. Um, you know, he, he gave so much so much of his attention and time to, to you know, to, to seeing where I wanted to go with my study. Yep. Um, I was writing music as well for the for the project that I was doing, so, um, you know, we had a lot of fun just going over ideas that I could use um, mm. in my soloing and writing and composing as yeah, well. Cool. So. Um, yeah, so that was great, you know, just, just to, you know, really get amongst and spend time with those guys and, sure. you know, learn what have, have you done, have you done a lot of transcription? Um, yeah, I have. I think I've actually done a lot more transcribing of bass lines than bass solos. Um, yeah, cause, well, any, any kind of transcription. Yeah, because yeah, once again, that's one thing that really gets me is, is um, you know, just hearing a great bass line, yeah. you know, hear Willie Weeks and James Jameson. Mm. Play Anthony Jackson, you know um, what they do with their bass lines. It's just, you yeah. know, it's just incredible. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that yeah, I think you know I hear that hear it from every musician. We all kick ourselves and say, oh, I need to do more transcript. Need to do, need to do more of it. You know, yeah. so always yeah. feel I need to do more of it. Yeah, always do more. And, and yeah. every time I do, I, I just like even if you just transcribe eight bars and you, mm. you get you get one new way of looking at something. Yeah, it's totally and worth it. you know, you look, don't necessarily have to do like the full song obviously yeah it's good yeah you know but don't 
I would say, you know, don't feel pressured that, oh, it's really daunting to yeah. transcribe the seven-minute song. Just transcribe the intro mm. or the first chorus and, and yeah. just, there might be something in there that, that you'll learn and that's the point of the exercise. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I'm really trying to... I mean, these days in my practice, I'm really trying to um, simplify a lot of things and not overwhelm myself with too much information all at once because that's one thing. You can transcribe a whole thing a whole silo, you know, which could be two-page transcription, and yeah. you could learn it note for note. But then do you actually go away with actually having put any of that into your yeah. own playing? Usable. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I find that, you know, even just, you know, just if you've transcribed the first four bars and then just, you know, go over that for a couple of weeks, you know, get it into your playing, you know. Yeah change keys of it try it in different yeah, exactly, keys try it yeah. over different chords you know yeah. if it's a if it's something that gets you around major chords whether it be bass line or um solo you know try it over minor you know try it over different harmony exactly, um, yeah. you know just even try and enter it into your own into your own playing in other words not necessarily copy it note for note but just let it evolve into your own thing yeah into your own phrasing and all that sort of stuff yeah, exactly. so that way i mean that's the whole point of point of transcribing is learning new information getting into your own playing so exactly yeah you know and that's a, the other thing is you could spend hours transcribing something and not actually having putting it into your own playing so if you spend half an hour just getting one mm. small section down and then you spend another hour just more putting time. it into your own yeah. playing. I think you get a little bit more out of it yeah. that way. So. And, and here you're doing a lot more teaching? Yeah, yeah. Um, I Yeah, there's, there was a time I was teaching um, in schools. Now I've just, um, at the moment, I've just got some private students, which have been an overflow from that. Mm-hmm. Um, some VCE kids um, that are doing really well. Yeah. Um, but that's great. You know, I, I love teaching. Um, uh, so... I've got something to, to pass on, you know. These these guys have taught me, they've, you know, gone out, done the work, passed it on now. You know, the work that I do, I can then say, this is what you need to do and this is the context that you'll need it in. Yeah, yeah. Um, this you know, is, when this you, is what was useful for me. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. It's useful for you. When you're in a band setting, this is what you're going to need to know. This is what you're going to have to listen out for. Um, mm. You know, this is why we work on rhythm because it helps you you know, uh, you relate with the drummer so much more, working with the drummer so much more, and mm. things like that, so, yeah. 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 Um, should we talk about gear for a bit? Yeah, why not? <laughs> everyone, everyone loves gears, definitely, yeah. so. What's this? Uh, this is, yeah, it's a bit of a Frankenstein now. It's it's the Lackland 5501. Um, one. Uh, yeah, the O1. Um, What's the O2? The O2 has, it has your single coil there the and the humbucker there, right. yeah. I had a Bellman bass, uh, still have it, which has got that. Um, and I just found that it was just too one-sided, you know, the, the, the um, humbucker is the pickup that you end up using most, which right. is that, you know, Music Man kind yeah. of sound. So um, I wanted something that was a bit more versatile. So this thing uh, comes with the... Um, the, uh, what do you call it, the soap bars. Bartolini um, soap bars. Came with the Bartolini soap bars. Um, also mentioned, shout out, thanks to Bass Centre for, um, you know, getting these in and, and helping me out. I think it was Darren. Yeah. That helped help me, help me out with this. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I just love the feel of it, you know, how I've just played, um, you know, everything from, you know, from from start to finish, it's a long scale, which I love with the with the, the low Bs. Just helps sure. get that extra um, Christmas on it. 
kept it tighter in that lower end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, but um, I wasn't too keen on, on the Bardellini system that was in there, so I tried out the John East uh, preamp system. Um, I'm a massive fan of um, Fralin pickups. I've, I played P basses for so long, that's kind of my, my roots is the P bass. Um, right. So I, um, for a long time, I was playing Fralin P bass pickups. So I got the J bass pickups and put them in here just to... You know, it looks a bit funny, but hell, it works. Yeah. You know, it gives the sound that I want. Yeah. Um, um, and then it was, it was uh, through, through my honours project at uni, I was heavily um, studying uh, some of the language and the time field that Gary Willis um, yeah. was, was employing in his solo recordings. Okay. Um, even yeah. in his bass lines, you know, what he does with the tribal text stuff. You know, right. he's, he's incredible. Incredible. just gold. So talk a little bit about that, the Gary, the Gary Willis thing, like wh why, how, what? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the project that I was doing, um, it really focused a lot on uh, his time fill with the semiquavers, with the semiquaver subdivision. Yeah. Uh, what he did polyrhythmically with that, um, you know, because a lot of, a lot of um, polyrhythms do, you know, do come from um, semiquavers. Um and, uh, you know, I was just checking out his time feel. Like, every time I listened to, you know, what he was doing with his, um, with his semi-quaver time feel, I was, I was basically trying to get his sense of that semi-quaver pulse in my own playing. Mm. You know, when you've kind of got a funk song, it's got that... <laughs> kind of semi-quaver yeah. language. I was really trying to, you know, work out... Syncopated semi-quaver. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. can I, how can I um, strengthen that in my own playing, get more accurate with my own time feel? You know, yeah. I, I, I uh, um, was, um, you know, thinking, well, my, I really need to strengthen my time feel as a bass player. You know, the drummers do it all the time. They yeah. practice rhythm all the time. As bass players, we're playing rhythms all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my, I felt my 16th um, chops and, and internal pulse of that 16th feel wasn't as strong as what it could have been. Okay, so yeah. I thought, you know, Gary Willis does it amazingly well. So let's turn a project um, into trying to learn that. Mm. You know how how has you know how has Gary gone and you know sort of worked on his time field to get that. Um, you know how can I get it into my own playing? How can I um, invent create exercises that yeah, work so what, on what, my? What did you what did you implement like practice wise to? I think uh, to work on it. The biggest thing was was really understanding um, each individual subdivision and how it felt. Um, right. You know, so you know whether you're playing. Take the at the fourth. You take the fourth semiquaver of a beat. Yeah. Um, we got our fourth. So if you take the fourth one, is knowing when you've got that written like a that particular subdivision, whether it be an anticipation, um, you know, semiquaver anticipation of the next beat. Making sure that you know that you're playing specifically that um, that subdivision, that fourth semiquaver, and not somewhere in between that and the third triplet. You know that kind of thing because it's. It's quite specific. It's such a fine line between the two, mm. but it is quite specific in in the way it feels and and For the sure. way it is. Um, yeah. 
It's tricky. Yeah, so I was just, just trying to get that. So a big thing was just really getting um, familiar with each individual subdivision. So I was doing things like um, um, just like a, a basic version was even starting out going... Um, so I was playing on the beat. Then focusing, you know, on learning to play from the next, the second subdivision. Sure, yeah. And then you go to the third one, which is, is of course, the um, the the, the, the upbeats. So you get quavers. So, and then we got the fourth one. Tough one. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's always the ah. Yeah, so it's really, really getting familiar with all those. So when it came to doing things like, um, if we take the uh, the four over three polyrhythm, which is you've got um, in three four time. So one two three, one two three. If we were to uh, play, um, if we were to group every third. Uh, semi-quaver, we'd get four even beats through that bar. So you got uh, one, two, three, two. Over that, over that um, three pulse, so you okay. got four notes over the three, which is something that Gary Willis does quite a bit. And then you're kind of, you're doing things like, uh, So things like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can really kind of impose this kind of triplet swing feel and all that sort of stuff yeah, over, okay. over a straight feel. Yeah. Um, you know, once again, Gary's a master of, of kind of doing that mm. as well. Um, so, you know, there's a big part of it's just how do I get that into my own bass lines? How yeah. do I um, get that into my own soloing? And a good way that I went about doing that wasn't only just creating exercises that went straight to working on that but was also composing songs which used those riffs right, okay um so that was that was uh that was really good it's just cool. yeah because yeah yeah do really think about it and yeah express it yeah. in a way that how could musically yeah and that's it and that was a big thing is is how can i use this academic language essentially you know dots on a page mm. um and these um methodical exercises how can i then the next step is make them music yeah um, so yeah, in not just in a you know spontaneous way, but in a compositional sure. sense, you yeah, know, cool. which has its challenges as well. And you know, composition was something, um, and I mean, it's, it's something we're all trying to get better at and learn at and lots of stuff. But it was quite new to me then as mm. well. So it was such a great learning curve to um, to use Gary Willis as a model. Right. You know, what's Gary done in his um, in his compositions? Um, how can I kind of take a slice of that and create my own thing? Um, you know, from that, you know, how can I take a groove of his and, and make a song out of that sure. as well? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And so is that what spawned the ramp yeah, system? Yeah, the, the ramp thing, you know, that's that's such a big, um, I mean, it's so much more common now, um, you know, um, yeah. with with um, different players. But yeah, this is this is a big, um, which I didn't really, really realise um, early on at the time that how much of a big thing this plays in Gary Willis's sound, yeah, mm. because his technique is, is really, Very um, light. 
yeah, it's very light, you know, and this really helps him obviously um, just not dig in too much. So he gets more speed, um, he gets a lighter touch. Yeah. And I was also playing around with that instead of digging in too much, where you kind of, you hit your note, your biggest attack is there, then it dies off really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's essentially turn up a bit more. Yeah, you've got your attack and then it just continues. Yeah, there's, there's a more constant um, decay on that sort yeah. of thing. So, um, you know, that's one thing that that he, you know, he says he finds really easy is that he's, he's not digging in too much. Yeah, yeah. It just, just helps him get around a lot yeah. easier. For me personally, um, I really, it really shines on the thumb positions once. Um, I'm just not digging in too hard so I can really, you know, keep get the, that. Keep the tone consistent. Yeah, I can really get that to happen. And and when I've tried it on basses, that kind of technique on basses, with or without the ramp, I find the ramp gets so much closer to that Gary Willis sound with it. So, you cool. know, so to me, it's, it's, it is a big part of the sound. And it's, yeah. it's a great sound. So, you know, and, and I made this one myself. It was kind of like, you know, I'll give it a go. I went down yeah. to Bunnings, bought a few pieces of wood and... Well, you said you you give it a go. Yeah, that, that's that's it. You know, so I thought yeah, we'll give it a go. It's a bit of a prototype. It it just it does snap on and off with Velcro okay. strips, and cool. and those Velcro strips do come on and off easy. You just pull them off, so they're designed to not make any marks or anything nice. like that. So it's you know it's completely um, yeah. it's completely de detachable, and I can take it all off like it wasn't even there. And this thing is just a you know you can't really get. Um, there's not too much available in um, pit guards for um, for, that. for these bases. You sure, can yeah. get them, but I wasn't too keen on the um, so just to the fill the gap style. Yeah, them. yeah, and it's just one of the things just to get my my hand a little higher. So when I'm slapping, you know, I'm not digging in too much. Cool. So yeah. well, what, what else do you use apart from the Lakeland? You say you use P base. Uh, yeah, P base. Um, um, so I've got a. Um, I actually got a, uh, a custom build, custom build P-Bass that I use, used for a long time, which I love. Um, I think that's got a uh, ebony fingerboard on it. Okay. Um, um, and I love the sound of that. It's just, you know, it's just so tight and, and clear in itself. I've also got a um, uh, late 80s uh, Japanese P-Bass with mm -hmm. maple fingerboard on it and all that, which I love. It's kind of got that... That old school sound. I was really after that Tedeschi yeah. trucks kind of um, sound that yeah. um, those guys get. Maybe. Um, so Otel and um, and Tim Lafave. Tim Lafave, that's the one. Yeah. Um, you know what they get on that kind of music and and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I love that 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 big fundamental sound of a P bass. That's kind of my yeah. my go to and thing. It's good. With, I mean, with to. doing the, the country stuff, I mean, like you were saying, so much of the modern country is is this sound. Yeah. It's like modern active five string it is yeah, yeah. so do, like how uh, how much of your country stuff is split between vintage p and modern five yeah well i <clears throat> i i try because I, I play with quite a few artists that do quite a, a variation of sounds mm. um you know whether it be um you know uh Deep Creek Road stuff is really is really rock country, yeah. um, pop country. You got so is that, um, so that's really this. You know, I need sure. that five string for that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, I don't sit on it all the time, but it's just those those odd occasions where you've got that big chorus at the end that you just want to drop down sure. to that low D. You know, and it just kind of 
helps the song grow somewhere sonically. Um, and then I've got this, there's us like Kirsty Akers who's, um, you know, her oh, yeah. stuff is, is, is really organic kind of um, Americana. Yeah sort of stuff where the P bass is fantastic for that, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, where I get to kind of really think more about that kind of soul playing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So okay. um, she's got her, her, her rock elements as well, which yeah. the P bass is great for. Yeah, so for it's, sure. it's just a great well. workhorse with yeah, that sort of stuff. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've brought out one or the other and they've kind of been like, what's that? Like um, A lot of the times, um, because I do a lot of um, touring that requires travel outside of Melbourne interstate, play a lot of times up in Queensland, it really only allows me enough um, luggage to fly with one base, yeah. essentially. So, you know, and if I'm playing a festival, I'll play you know, anywhere from one to two to three to, to, to more different artists um, all at that same festival. So you've kind of got a... This in itself is a great workhorse in, in, in that it really can get a lot of variation in its sounds. Yeah. Um, there's times where I go, man, I wish it, really wish I had the P bass, but, you know, it's really only me that still notices that. still gets the job that. done. Yeah, yeah. It, it's only me that notices that. And essentially, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's got your jazz bass thing, the Johnny's um, preamp. It's just a really clear, um, yeah. warm preamp that, you know, it doesn't give you anything that's unusable. You sure. know, it's all, you know, it's all really really usable and it sits into the mix and you know it gives me what i need yeah the journey um, stuff's great really yeah like yeah so i love it when i can drive to a gig and i can you know Both. i can pack what i need and use yeah. one for one one for the other if i'm just doing one artist i can take one particular one particular base but it doesn't happen too often unfortunately sure. so and then rig wise rig wise um once again the kind of compliment the um the p bass thing i love something that can just give me that you know a big tight bottom end mm-hmm. you know i love a big fundamental sound that can sort you know support um a nice strong uh low end you know you want a good um good solid um b string and e string mm-hmm. um when you're playing so um i think something we were talking about earlier today was um the difference between um all tuber heads and solid state and mm. solid states with valve preamps um i'm a big fan of the um solid state heads with the valve preamps or yeah. the tube preamps because to me it you kind of get uh, enough essence of that warm tube sound but i find the solid states just stay tighter in the low end sure. and when you're playing big outdoor stages with um yeah. the eight by ten cabs and all that sort of stuff you've got a lot of air to push and yeah. i just find um sometimes the tube stuff breaks up a bit too much down the bottom end and the big stages, so you are standing quite a few metres away from your end. Mm. So you've got to push it a bit harder and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, for a long time I've played um, the Hartke LH1000. Mm-hmm. I like the big head unit, so I can then, even if it doesn't require all of that, I've just got that headroom there. Sure. If I need it, the amp's not running as hard as well, so yeah, just trying to get a cleaner sound. Um, and lately I've been um, using the, uh, the Mark Bass... Um, was it the LM tube 800 kind of I went for the 800 the bigger one so then um, then if I didn't need all that headroom I've still got it there to help keep a cleaner sound yeah, for yeah. me and I yeah I really love this thing it's got the tube it's the solid yeah, it's, oh, it's the digital true. digital um, amp power amp with the uh, with the tube preamp in it which you know which is blendable yeah it's blendable which is great because you know when you get to a gig 
you don't know what cab you're going to use. I can stick that up to any cab. It's yeah. so small, I can travel with it. It yeah. sits in my backpack. I can take that on the plane, get to the other end, and if I don't like what they've got, I can I can plug that in and and. Cool. I can really, it's, it's so versatile, I can really get the sound that I'm after. If I don't want too much tube, I can, I can roll it back um, yep. just to really dial, dial that in to what I want. So yeah. it's great, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. Other than that, well, I suppose gear-wise, pedals. Um, you know, I love the stock standard bass stuff, octavers, as we all do. Yeah, so. a bit of filter, a bit of yep. anything else. Active, yeah. passive, or PBS. Yeah, yeah, both. Both, I love the... Uh, Love the sound of both active and passive. Yeah. I think you know on a on a live setting when you're playing, uh, you know, backline rigs where it's you know uh, bass amp supplied and you know such a vary of different things and even bigger stages, you know, the active is really great just to help cut, right. get a little bit more control out of you know having your own tonal control sure. on the yeah, bass yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think. Um, you know, just practicality, it's a great live gig. Yep. But I prefer, recording-wise, I prefer the sound of active. I okay. think it just sits in the mix a lot nicer. Active for recording? Uh, no, sorry, passive. Passive, passive for me, right. yeah. But yeah. um, like, the, the P-Bass, you know, just sounds amazing. For, so I reckon it sounds better than this once yeah. with the headphones on yeah, recording, right. so. Um, do you, so what else do you have coming up? Um, I've got a few festivals. Um, Head up north a little bit for, for the Denny Ute Muster. There's, there's a festival on. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be good fun. Who's that with? Um, that's with Deep Creek Road. Okay. Um, yeah, so that'll be good fun. Keith Urban's playing at that, so it's a, cool. it's a, bit tell a big one. Tell him Yeah, I will. You know, I'll <laughs> tell him, tell him uh, that uh, he still owes you that 20 bucks that you said. <laughs> um, so there's a few things on like that, just the, the general one of the mill festivals. Um, yeah. All that sort of stuff. So yeah, hopefully a little bit more local playing um, yeah. towards the end of the year. It's, it's yeah, it's nice to in the scene. yeah, it's, it's nice to sort of do a gig and sleep in your own bed. <laughs> it's also nice to travel. You know, it's yeah. it's that's one thing about um, doing the touring, is um, you know there's nothing like um, going to the other side of the country and just developing. Um, you know, you a, a network of musicians over there. Sure. Um, you yeah. go to these festivals and you know you just you're catching up with people from all ends of yeah. the place, you know, with the big yeah. Queensland, New South Wales, um, Victoria. A lot of times you you don't see each other even though you live in Victoria until you meet each other, yeah. meet up with each other <laughs> up in Queensland or something like yeah, that. Cool. So, yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, definitely um, if, if you can get out there and travel and, and tour and just, just see the country, you know, I've been to every state Beautiful. and been paid to do it, you know, yeah. just, just loving it, you know, and, and working with so many different... Um, artists that you know you really get to scratch the itch of different styles and different types of bass playing yeah um and that's one thing too is just you know it's just really stay versatile in your playing really stay versatile in um in your outlook towards life just be just try and be as welcoming to 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 new um new environments new people and all that sort of stuff because you know, the, the the better you are to get along with people, um, or the easier you are to, to get along with, you know, the more chances you are you have of um, being hired again and yeah, getting exactly. out on the road. Because, so. you know, there's a hundred guys that can, yeah, they can yeah. play the line, right? Yeah. So well, that's it, yeah. I mean, do you want somebody that they can... You only need to log on to YouTube. Get, yeah, airport with yeah. three hours and, you know, drive that's, for another four hours and stuff. And that's you know. it, you know, you only need to log on to, to YouTube to... to to see a million kids just oh. burning it up, you know, and just and melting just, your faces, yeah. and you go, oh, "I'm never gonna get there," you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, the but you know, possibly that's, not the guys that are out there touring. Yeah, 
Look, and, and some of the once again going back back to that thing of playing the song and those guys that you know they don't necessarily they may have the chops but they don't always bring it out you never see them do it exactly. so you can it's yeah. easy at face value to dismiss like, them as being like O'Teal and, and Tim yeah yeah like, you know, doing the doing the this yeah. you like yeah meat and potatoes and then you you know you, you see Tim playing with like Wayne Grants and you're like yeah it's it's a completely different thing you know then they got to burn the chops but once again you know credit to them they know when to bring out the tools that they need I think also they just love music you know it's, yeah. it's not necessarily about I want to play chops like. He couldn't, and and you know the Wayne Krantz thing. Like yeah. if he just played yeah. meat and potato stuff, it yeah. wouldn't work. So yeah. it's having the chops and then yeah. having the right vehicle yeah. for it, where it doesn't seem like yeah. chops. It seems like music. And look, I I find too that if it's not chop based stuff, um, the the bulk of the hard work comes in time feel. You know, yeah. how you sit, and that's a big thing with bass is just. If you've got minims to play, how you make those minims sit. Yeah. Like, you know, with some of these country bass lines that, um, you know, uh, it's it's all about replicating the feel of, you know, do you cut your notes off short? Or do you connect them? Totally, yeah. Or do you just that in between? Do you sit up on top of the beat? Do you sit right back? You know, yeah. how you work in with a drummer has totally, a big... Yeah has a big influence on how the band feels. And most singers, they, they don't want someone that stands out. You know, they just want someone that that's, sure. that's solid, easy to get along with, learns the material. That's a big thing. If you're not learning the material, if you're rocking up to the gig, fumbling stuff all the time, yeah. and you clearly haven't done your homework, then, you, you know, you're not going to Especially when you're getting paid to be there, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, you, yeah. you, you're paid to do a job. And there's so many times that... Um, been on you know a big stage where they've got film crews on it you've never played with the artist before it's new music all that sort of stuff you you, you only get an acoustic rehearsal where you don't get the plug in mm. anyway um backstage just before you go on and you know you go on and it's it's showtime so you've you've got to nail it so you've got to do your homework yeah that's a big thing you know do your homework be easy to get along with um you know leave your leave your ego at the door and um you know you'll We'll keep having the phone ringing. So yeah, yeah. So that's a big thing. It's not always chops or anything like that. So if you're, you know, if you're feeling um, <clears throat> insecure about your abilities, if you're on YouTube and you're seeing all these young guys burning it, and you you feel that you you know you you're not going to be good enough to get work or anything like that, that's not what it's about. Yeah. You know, music is about playing music, playing what's right for the song. You know, so whatever that may be. Yeah, yeah. So once again, you know, the guys that I've seen get the majority of the work are the guys that don't bust the chops. They're some of the most simplest players, but yeah. they're just incredibly solid. Yeah. You know, they're an encyclopedia of songs, so if they get called for a uh, covers gig, yeah. um, they can do it. You know, sure. if you know, a lot of times you have to learn songs on the fly. You yeah. know, if yeah. a singer says, "Do you know this song?" or someone, or they take a request. You know, and the singer knows it. You don't know it, but you, the singer you, goes, "It's yeah. in G." You, you don't know, want, and also you don't want to be the guy that says no. Yeah, but everyone else goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." That's it. You know, the singer goes, "Watching the guitar players it's it's in G." You know, follow me. So yeah. you know, it's great to. And the other thing with with music is it's great to be versatile on different instruments if you know enough about guitar mm. um, <clears throat> that you can follow um, the guitar chords. Yeah. You know what they're doing. Um, use use your ear to kind of predict where the melody is taking the chord progression next. Sure, and, yeah. and nine times out of ten, you'll you'll get it right. Yeah. Um, so trusting your ear, there's so many times I've had to watch a guitarist um, or, the, you know, the, the singer-guitarist 
yep. fingers from the back of the headstock where I'm, <laughs> you know, I can see that little finger, so I know that's G. When I don't see it, you know, I know that's, that's, C. that's C or it's <laughs> D, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm looking out for that. Just, just crazy situations yeah. like that, you yeah. know, that you really just got to be on your toes and you just got to run and with that, it. And so. but, that, and that, but that's when you rely on all the, all the hours you put in to come in and, and save you. There, you know, that's the that's ear it. and the, the diatonic harmony that you've got. That's it. Diatonic harmony is a, is a big yeah, one. Once you, know? you get that under your belt, yeah. It's yeah, so learning your thing. And that's where the uni um, right. comes in, you know. All the jazz chops that you can learn at uni, you don't necessarily need those in, you know, in a lot of other styles, rock and yeah. pop and country and whatever sort of thing. But, but it's like, just it's like headroom. Yeah, the headroom, the headroom intellectually, you know, yeah. knowing your theory and how that comes into play as a bass player. Sure. So you know whether it's a major or a minor chord, you know whether your sixth chord's supposed to be a minor or whether that's been altered uh, yeah. and all that sort of stuff, whether it's been changed to a, to a major, yeah. all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you know, if if you can um, learn a few instruments that support, you know, if you can learn drums, and so you've got a basic idea of what's happening with the kick drum and yeah. all that in a in a drum pattern. Sure. So you're learning rhythm, you're learning to read rhythm as a drummer would, so you can lock in with them. Yeah, yeah. The other thing um, in the singer songwriter world is being able to sing. You know, yeah. um, I've I I remember I used to watch. Um, uh, a lot of other players get the work that could sing as well, you know, and I really wasn't For singing. Sure. So I went, bugger this, you know, if I'm going to get busier at work... Get my job, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, If you know, if I want to get busier and be more employable, I've got to learn to sing. Yeah. So um, I just started learning to sing. Um, we're talking about backing vocals, you know, being able to, you know, the singing bass player, yeah. being able to sing backing vocals and play bass at the same time makes you so much more employable. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I still don't, um, you know, I don't, uh, put myself out there as a as a singer, you know. But you can do but you can do BVs. I can I can yeah I can learn BVs and and be as solid as I can at that, yeah, you know. Right. And a lot of BVs are about um, part singing. You learn a part, you're singing a part of the harmony. Yeah. So once again, all that sort of harmony knowledge, you know, yeah, am yeah. I singing the fifth, and then am I you know resolu- uh, resolving um, mm. my line on the third, you know? So you, yeah. So it's all that sort of um, intellectual stuff with year training as well and all that sort of stuff helps, you know, helps you get around in, sure. in just an everyday working environment. So, you know, there's, there's guys that, you know, that are quick to dismiss theory and all that, but I'd say, you know, for me it's just been one of the best things because it just gets to the answers so much quicker. Yeah, you, know, you, get, you get there yeah, quicker. Yeah, that's it. I'm yeah. not guessing, you know. I know I can work out um, what note the, the lead vocals on what the high harmony's on so then i can take you know if, if leads on the on the tonic and then the high harmony's on the third i can take the fifth below yeah that kind of thing i can work it out i can learn that part yeah that cool. sort of stuff and you know to a degree you can you can kind of do that on the fly if you have to if you're in those situations well. so yeah yeah that's a big thing you know just be employable be as versatile as you can be happy to um to take on as many different challenges as you can um welcoming to all, all different types of people, all different ways of learning. You know, even if uh, the artist or the drummer or someone in the band doesn't um, think the same way you do or have the same opinion as you do, it's not always a personal thing. So, you know, put that sort of personal pride, you know, behind at the door. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can speak your mind. There's a way to do it, of course, um, in, a, in, a, in a constructive way. But, you know, yeah. just be happy to get out there and give it a go. And yeah. don't, you know... Don't 
be afraid if you don't think you've got all the chops in the world or anything. That's not music. No. Music's a massive world, yeah. so, I mean, you know. We're getting yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, so that's it. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you've, you've got something to bring to the table. So just be, you know, thankful of, of that and get out there and, yeah, give it a go. For sure, man. Beautiful. Wise words. Yeah. Um, awesome having you around, man. No worries. Thanks, stuff. buddy. It's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's great to see so many players come in and watch all the videos. So it's, I won't do it. I'm humbled to be a part of it, you know. For sure. Do you, and do you have a website or anything that people can get in touch with you? I do. Like Essentially, you know, once when uh, years ago when... when MySpace um, fell off the wagon, you know, that was a place where you could yeah. store some content essentially so people could hear some tracks that you had. You know, I created uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it, website, that's the way. Um, it's just uh, joshuaverco.com. Yeah. So um, if you look at that, I think um, there's also, you know, Joshua Verco SoundCloud. I've just got a few original cool. tracks up there. People can get to that through um, the website and stuff. Yeah, some of the some of those tracks have been linked into there. Um, cool. It's just a place where I can just say a little bit about me, store some photos of, of gigging around, so I've got it up online. So, and I yeah. guess we should probably do it a bit, but do you think that's an important thing for a player nowadays to have? Because I know there's lots of guys out there who are flat out working and don't even have Facebook. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, you know, I think I think at today's day and age, like. Mm. Social, social media, yeah, it's, I mean, you don't have to get sucked into the whole thing of, you know, being on Twitter and this and that and all no, that sort of stuff. No, but just having a, a good platform but, where people, yeah, people look you I up, think, they can find you. I find that a lot of, between um, phone calls, text messages, emails and Facebook messages, um, a lot of people do contact you via Facebook messages, you know, yeah. um, probably if not more so because it's easier. It's, yeah. it's just a lot more personal. It's a great way to stay in touch with the scene. Um, it's a great way to stay with the sock <laughs> um, It's a great way to stay in touch with everyone all over Australia, even you know the people that I've met overseas. Um, mm. I've toured in US and, and and Europe as well. So once again, you know, I still keep in touch and still see what they're so up to. So when you go back, you know, you may have that connection yeah. still there. Even if you don't talk to them, you just get to see what they're up to, to see how they develop in their own careers and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, you just get to have a laugh, you know, have a laugh with people and share mm. jokes and, and yep. all that sort of stuff. Um, you just get to be a part of a community, you know, on Facebook. You don't need to be, a, you know, online all day, every yeah. day or anything, but it's, it's, it's good just to, just to check in with people and For sure. the more you can say day to people and, and have a laugh I've, with people. You know, I've had a couple of gigs come out, you know, somebody yeah. goes, need bass player on Saturday and you go, that's, cool. that's you know, it, you know. Um, so it's kind of worth it. Yeah. Big, but, yeah. In uh, your page, uh, the, the Melbourne, Melbourne Bass Players, it's, Melbourne bass it's, players. it's a great community that, you know, our bass players here in Melbourne just can share yeah. transcriptions, we can share learning material, we can share uh, YouTube videos, you know, stuff yeah. that we're digging and just thoughts and reviews. And yeah, yeah. so if you're not, um, Melbourne guys, if you're not on that page, jump on that, give it a like, Melbourne Bass Players. So um, um, that's another way you can, you know, both of us, you can say good day if you want to. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I reckon that'll do us. Um, Lovely. Thanks for watching, guys. Thank um, you. Stay tuned for the next one. Look forward to it. See you, man. See ya.